This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. In this exclusive bonus episode of the series, Andy is back alongside show producer Josh Nixon to host a panel of leaders. They go over the show's highlights, some of the questions on applying the lessons from the course to the businesses that they operate within, and a little bit of behind-the-scenes magic in putting CC&G together. So with that, over to Josh and company. Hello, thank you so much for taking the time, uh, guys, to sit down and chat to me. So this is a lovely little wrap-up episode. I am Josh Nixon. I'm the content producer for Label Sessions and the editor of CCNG. I'm making my way in front of the camera for a change, which is nice. And I'm here with the one and only Andy Nolley. Doesn't need an introduction because obviously he's the head and star of the show, but he's the Just for Laughs co-founder and the one and only CCNG creator and ambassador in following your gut. I'm here also with the leader of Transformational Change, responsible for the strategic global experience design education at Sun Life and a vote. Uh, the foresight lead and trend analyst of Flux Trends and speaker and author of The Future Starts Now, Brawler Williams, and also the chief market experience officer for the artisanal spirits company, Rebecca Hamilton. So thank you so much for joining. Hello, everybody. And I just want to make sure you know that that was actually Josh's speed of talking. You were, you know, your podcast speed is not on two or three X at this point in time. That was actually Josh's <laughs> normal talking speed. So there we go. So we'll get started with uh, Andy. Yes. How do you feel with the podcast now? It's wrapped. Has the genie had any sightings yet? Oh, no, none whatsoever. And uh, believe me, I am out there rubbing everything, you know, and getting in trouble for it. So I'm, I'm looking for lamps, but I'm doing like cars and parking uh, meters, uh, fire hydrants, small dogs. And uh, so far, the genie has not appeared, but, uh, but I will never give up hope. Um, and the, but the other thing that I, I've seen is that people, people have been reaching out, which I, I find amazing people actually been listening to because when you record a podcast you're basically in the void and then you know when you find out people are listening to it, it's like wow you actually listen to this stuff i'm so i'm so impressed so so thank you and uh, but no 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 genie settings yet despite the fact that uh, of my, my 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 admiration and my gratitude and my rubbing <laughs> all right that's that that answer worked okay okay so i have to take i have to retake that one hey josh please, let's go <laughs> keep going no, no, no. This is well. We're keep, we're, keep, we're doing this live. We're doing this live. So, um, first question for the panel. Um, Anna, we'll start with you if this is okay. Um, with a name like creativity, curiosity, and guts, what do you feel is which one of those three do you feel like is most missing in business culture? Starting with you, but obviously being a patient or candidate. Guts, man. Oh, man. We sometimes lack guts. I mean, I think that there's lots of creativity, but the the kind of actioning creativity or being comfortable with taking risks is such a, a Canadian, we, we are very good at inventing things. We're very difficult about scaling it, taking credit for it. So the guts to kind of move forward and not live in kind of this monopolistic inertia. There's so much creativity out there. We just got to harness it. I just learned a new term, monopolistic inertia. That's the name of the next podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Monopolistic <laughs> inertia. Wow. The t-shirts are going to be great. The merch line is going to be fantastic. But um. So Rebecca, how do you how do you feel about that? Which one of those three do you feel like? Do you agree with Anna or? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a very um, instinctive, intuitive person, uh, very empathetic. So I I go on my I go on my gut all the time. You know, I'm very instinctive in the way I, I operate, and I think it's so important that we understand how to harness that and understand that and interpret that and use it, but also feel brave about doing it. 
I couldn't agree more with what you what you've just said. You know, having the guts to use our guts basically in our decision making is so important, and how we create and foster culture that allows that to to breathe basically and to be to be as equal in the debate around the table as numbers facts yeah i couldn't agree more awesome well uh broman i know that you i know that you might be inclined to agree but obviously as a futurist what do you feel how do you feel about the curiosity aspect of things i know in one of the episodes the myth of change is all about how um you know one of the lovely little quotes i picked up here is everybody loves change as long as someone else does it first I think this is obviously quite a, a, a self-preserving factor, trying not to be too curious. And I think it depends on where you're looking in an organization or in a business. So what you often tend to find is that the founder, the guy that goes out there and takes the risk is not lacking on guts or on creativity. But you know, when you get to that curiosity factor, that becomes a problem when you start bringing other people into your team and everyone wants to think that they've kind of got their own agenda or their own role their own domain and it becomes very very scary to be curious i definitely encounter this in work that i do with organizations all the time where things don't happen or organizations seem to lose their nerve when it's not actually losing their nerve it's actually very big incentives with people who are not the direct shareholders or the entrepreneurs or the leaders or the visionaries behind the business because there's a lot of incentive to stay where you are. I mean, curiosity leads to more work and not necessarily to more pay. And that's something you have to grapple with if you are a curious, gutsy leader, right? <laughs> and not everybody has got the same agenda that you have. And that's the constant challenge. That's the constant challenge trying to find a balance between those sort of explorers and the farmers within your organization. But I would say that there is, there's, there's a lot of willful uncuriosity in the world at the moment. What do you think the magic is to flexing and training the curiosity muscle? Because that's something that I'm so interested in, in terms of how we train ourselves to constantly be curious and test our brains. What do you think the sweet spot is? Like, what is the magic trick to be an athlete from a curiosity muscle point of view? You know what one of them I think is, Rebecca, is humility. So I think in big companies kind of saying, but we're big, so we must be the best. And because we're big, we're doing things right. Although true is such a curiosity killer because it's like well why it's fine like what we're doing is fine and I just think sometimes the humility of well what we're doing may have is working but there could be more like we can be both proud of what we've accomplished but still be curious and and have a desire for more yeah it's more fun too but I always come back to the fact that you kind of kind of got to incentivize that if you do want to have a curious team you've got to incentivize curiosity and that comes down to how you manage people, right? So in terms of managing what's, what gets measured, gets managed, gets manipulated. And if you're measuring people on quarterly targets, of course you're going to uh, get people to be willfully uncurious because being curious will only complicate those numbers and complicate those incentives. I don't know, I'm speaking generally about organizations, but even small teams. Like, what do you, what do you value? What do you praise? And you get more of what you pay attention to and what you pay quite frankly. <laughs> to balance this with two arguments. One is I love the curiosity element and sometimes I find myself um, lazily accepting accepting things. Who's binging whilst I talk? Um, so uh, I, I find myself lazily accepting things. And I, I have a friend who I do, uh, I do a lot of work with and work, we're working on a project together. I'm always amazed that you know, he'll question everything when someone will sometimes i'll say oh okay well that's 
way it is. And someone's brought this up. He'll, know, he'll question every little thing. And I'm saying, wow, maybe it's extreme, but that's the, the, the real curiosity element at, at, at its finest. But on the other hand, I, I just read a book yesterday called Obvious Adams. And it's a book written in 1916. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, uh, but it, it's it's apparently the David Ogilvy said that that he what he would do with Ogilvy from you know, Ogilvy and Mather advertising agency uh, legendary uh, Adamant. He said he would get his staff to read this book every year. It was it's forty pages. It goes by in twenty minutes. But um, the point of the book is sometimes seeing the obvious, and some sometimes you have to be curious to to see the obvious. And it's really a brilliant small book about how sometimes the the answers. Are there in in plain sight, and one of the things that 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 it, hey, this because I, I forget who mentioned it. I think it may have been Anna, perhaps talked about companies are so big. They said we must be good at this. You know, companies realize say, well, you know what? Um, if, if as a consultant or as a company, um, we have to find the 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 extensive, expensive solution rather than the real simple one that may be right in front of our eyes. So the curiosity does not necessarily mean, oh, let's look for than crazy it just means like finding the right thing and, and looking for it and sometimes it's, it's right there oh there it is a quote that came to mind that relates quite a lot to what you're just talking about there is the is the one from episode four life is a black box you know we can go through life passively or just let thing just let things happen to you or you can make things happen through a lust for learning and what you can discover next next like curiosity is a not frivolous it's something to manifest your destiny believe me look at us here I, Josh, I'm sorry to do this, but can I be curious for, for a second about the, the yep. I was going to wait till the end, but I don't know when this is going to end, so I might as well ask this now. But you guys all listen to, to, to the podcast, and we're talking about sound effects and all that. Like, one of the things that I try to do off the begin, off the top of this, or my initial conversation with Josh and particularly with Ian and Nick, was I didn't want to do like the standard podcast um, with, you know, interviews. I really wanted sound effects and silliness and music to play a part of it, play a part in it. So what what's your take on that? I was going to get your take on on, on what you thought, just as as someone who tried to do something a little bit different with this, and maybe it wasn't that different. You will let me know. No, I lo- I loved it. It sounded so conversational, like it sounded real. It didn't. It sounded very well produced, but not overproduced, if you know what I mean. Like there was a little bit of naturalness and just humanity. Okay, cool. I appreciated the sense of humor was clearly not someone who took themselves too seriously, which is which is a, a great starting point. I think that in my role as a contemporary court jester, I've learned very quickly, you can't take yourself seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's very genuine, authentic, straightforward. Okay, cool. Straightforward talking. So Good. it didn't bother you the like the, the, the boings and the explosions and the sound? Okay, no. okay. Uh-huh. It's the brain thinking, okay. right? Like, got to keep the brain on its toes. Throw in some random stuff yeah. just to keep it going. Well, maybe, What's going maybe on it was there? random, was it, Josh? We planned that to the T, but anyway. <laughs> it was all in the script, and that's what I was going to ask next, actually. I was going to go to highlights, but whilst we're talking about them, do you have a particular sound effect that you remember that sort of tickled you? Or... Me or them? All, anybody. There were some sort of cartoon boings at one okay. point. They were pretty cool. Okay. Batman. Yeah, I remember those. Cartoon call-out vibe. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, okay, mine. I, I we 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 used the ex- the kaching and the explosion a number of times, and uh, we had to go, Josh, Josh. That doesn't sound like an explosion. I need it has to be sound like a nuclear explosion, you know. And has to sound like you know, loud. It can't sound like you know, you know. So we had to we had to play with that one. 
cut to me looking through like 50, 60 different explosive yeah. sound effects. Just don't get the right one. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to sound like you're being vaporized, yep. Josh. Yes, you yeah. do want to sound like there's a yeah, yeah. cosmic explosion. Exactly. <laughs> I need a pair of those flare audio earplugs afterwards. I was... <laughs> those have become like the, the, I think the mascot of, of this uh, this podcast. Anyway, I was, uh, but sorry, I, I, I sort of took us all off kilter. <laughs> well, now I'm just happy to go wherever the guests are going. It's quite part of the fun. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so what I was going to ask is, Roman, was there a personal sort of highlight that sort of comes to mind off the top of your head? I was sort of putting you on the spot, but... Uh... No, no, that was all good. I, I, I like the the failure is always an option. I do like to speak about these things quite a lot myself. So yeah, it's kind of part of the fun. Like I know, I know it sounds probably quite terrible to talk about, but when it comes to life in general and getting up every day, you know, there's always... Exiting is always an option, but that's kind of what makes the choice to stay in the game, stay getting up every day, just so much, so much better. I like the fact that there is risk and that nothing is guaranteed. I think that's quite exciting. What a depressing thought all for me. So anyway, I enjoyed that episode quite a lot. Uh, Rebecca, do you, did you have a personal highlight? I think everything around what creative is and how we foster it, you know, ultimately what's the creative process? Does process kill creativity? Therefore... How do you crack creativity? Anything that talks around that, I'm always going to be fascinated in because ultimately it's up to all of us to just be conscious and open to creativity all the time and look for it and be inspired by it. So, yeah, I think for me, that's the, the theme that obviously has been running through many of the podcasts that you've been doing, but that's that's the bit for me that I've always been most interested in talking about because it inspires me, but also it, it interests me in terms of how we make the world a better place, ultimately, by being creative. Amazing. And uh, Anna? I think the concept that you kind of parsed and articulated, and I went, that's it. It's like the thing that you kind of know on some level, but you can't quite articulate. Andy, you nailed it. This beginner's soul. So not this beginner's mindset, because in the work that I do, you know, you bring people into a room and, okay, let's pretend we don't know anything. And that the performativeness that some of those workshops can be and kind of articulating that, the intentionality, like the if you're really going to do it, and you you know you it does it's not just let's just pretend we have a beginner's mindset and carry on. And I think that's that's the difference, right? And and when I heard you articulate it in that way, I thought that's it, like that's the thing, um, that's the thing that's often missing, um, and that's the thing that I think I need to get better in terms of fostering, like really understanding that and really helping people try to get as close to that spot as they're able to get. This is all like, I mean, I'm hearing this, I'm saying, wow, I, I can't believe this, <laughs> that was what you got out of it. Because again, creating it in the void, you, you put it out there, you don't know. But one thing I'll say about creativity that, 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 that I, you know, I've learned, you know, the process, the, the games, the this, the that, uh, which, which is important. But sometimes you know, the, the world throws something at you that you got to get creative with. I'll give you the perfect, well, I hope it's a perfect example. But I have to teach this course again in three weeks. And the difference between last year and this year has been um, generative AI. So I have to, you know, talk about being creative. I have to come up with new ways for uh, new, either new assignments or new ways to do the old assignments because of the fact that, that it can just, you know, I, I just can't let it be done by generative AI either by with words or pictures. So I'll just give you an example, and uh, you know, geez, I, I I don't know how many students will listen to this. Probably none, but anyway, but the the final the the final um, assignment in the class, which is worth a big chunk of, of the marks, 
was I asked the students to do a, um, uh, a, 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 a biography of themselves, I guess an autobiography uh, of, of their lives, but not now, but at the age of 60 or something, looking back. And it had to be, it has to be written as an illustrative uh, children's book, illustrated children's book. So, you know, a couple of years ago, that's, that's tough. And, you know, the last year, you know, it's a tough, although people were sort of getting into the generative AI, you know, uh, with Dali, with, with pictures and all that. But now some of just go to ChatGPT and say, just write a, a story of me, you know, based, uh, you know, in, in the way of a children's book. So I'm saying, okay, how am I going to get around that? I was like, well, I want to see it, you know, um, handwritten and uh, with pictures hand drawn. Maybe that's the, I don't know the answer yet, but the point is I got to get creative myself and go right back in, into this to, to be able to teach creativity. If you, you get my gist. So it's kind of a, you know, a circular, uh, you know, yin yang paradox, call it what you want, but uh, I have to get creative with t teaching creativity because not because of, uh, of being curious or saying, I really want to do something different. It's just, it's a necessity now and you have to answer it creatively. So, Sometimes the world hands it to you on a platter. So yeah, uh, another sort of highlight that I was wanting to bring up and specifically point to you, Rebecca, was um, there's another one that uh, from episode seven, the, the magic word, which was the magic word business, which is love, obviously. And no matter what the product or service, if someone loves it, they will do your marketing work for you. Forget the word, forget the concept of word of mouth marketing. The stronger, more effective term is word of heart marketing. So what do you think about that as a concept? And have you, is that something that you would ever consider applying to your sort of field of work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, end of the day, we're all human beings and therefore it's love that makes the world go around, right? It's connecting with other people and feeling that um, is what inspires us as human beings. But I think particularly in the industry that I work in, where you have a product which has been nurtured and cared for and loved by people that are passionate, that invest their hearts and minds into it every single day. And it's much more than creating a thing. It's not just manufacturing a product. They are crafting something. It's an art for them. So they pour their hearts and souls into it. And that is, you can taste it when you drink the whiskey. You can taste that level of care and nurturing. And at the end of the day, if you trust in putting everything into what you're creating and what you're giving out, and you put your best into that, you're you're going to get the best results and it will be felt by the people that are buying it, consuming it, receiving the communication around it. They they will they will feel that, they'll understand that. So yes, I couldn't agree more. It's it's ultimately what makes things genuine and good and worth buying into. Whether you be a human being and you're trying to decide if you want to be friends with somebody or if you're buying into a brand that resonates with you or not. That's exactly the answer I wanted, but um, no, Andy, what, what do you think of that? How, how do you think that? Well, I, I gotta say, I'm gonna, I guess, throw it to Anna, Rebecca, Bronwyn about, about this. But you talk about love. One of the things I, I said was that um, you know, if people love what you what you do, they'll do your marketing for you. And and I was with, uh, uh, I did this interview with Jeffrey Seller in the middle of uh, doing the podcast, you know, the, during the weeks. And Jeffrey Seller is the guy who produced um, Rent, Avenue Q, and Hamilton. So he's done pretty well in life, a pretty smart guy. And he said the, um, I don't know if I use this, I don't think I did, but he said the only four words that matter in theatrical marketing, everything else is, is trade, everything else is throwing away money. I mean, he says the only words that are important are you've got to see it. That's it. You've got to see it. And he said that's, that's the only thing you're gunning for. That is basically, you know, when you love something enough to tell others about it, 
you're really lo locked in. So that's what I wanted to do is turn this around, <clears throat> if I may, and say, look, you guys, obviously, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm really, truly you know, touched and, and by the fact that, that you listen to this. Um, I, I, I hope you'll listen to, to, to all of them or most of them, whatever. But you obviously, I mean, again, I'm saying this, try, trying to be uh, very, very humble about it. Um, you obviously liked it enough to come on this podcast today. So I want to ask you if, you know, if did this love thing work? And if so, like, did you tell others about? It? And be be really honest. I don't care. I mean, it's over, and I got my I got paid. So, um, but uh, but be really honest. Did you tell others about it? And what did you say? Uh, that, that's that's all all, all I want to know. And maybe you didn't tell it. But that's so I want to know if the love thing works. So, India totally works. On the weekend, I found two co-conspirator genies and sent them the genie episode and said, if you have ten or fifteen minutes, listen to this. If you have longer listen to it and thank you for being a genie for me um and got these wow. very lovely messages back saying a hey, thanks for wow. thinking of me and and they said oh this is so great i'm like right and so i think that love goes both ways like when i was listening to rebecca it's like it needs to be authentic and it needs to be real right and otherwise it's it's it just falls short but i think for those particular people like I knew that they'd love that idea and again an articulation of kind of what it is that they're doing in a way that perhaps they haven't thought about before oh cool that's good that well thank you yeah I I, I agree it's, it's interesting actually timing wise because we had a culture internal culture conversation last week and we were talking about the things that are important to us all and what I find interesting with the word love is that some people sometimes can feel uncomfortable about using it um for lots of reasons but there it's important that we can use it as a word that is correct and genuine and has the intention that that we mean and it, it there was a timing piece last week where we have this conversation and one of the things that we were saying is what, what's what are one of the behaviors that we really want and it's to be loving so to be loving to each other as colleagues and employees and how we work together and also what that means and how it translates to the end delivery that we give people and that we provide through our service and our product and yeah I think that the timing for listening was useful for me because it prompted some of that conversation and it prompted a conversation where people in the room thought about something differently and they went actually yeah that is the right word as opposed to it being kind or well-intended loving is actually a better word it means more so did you so did, th that said did you did you ever share it with anybody and what did you say that that's uh, did you ever share the podcast say, i'm listening to this thing and you gotta listen to it or you know here's something or you know, i shared maybe... it by spreading the joy about it okay um, oh, i'm not great okay. at forwarding links but i tell I'm people not... about stuff <laughs> okay that's cool all right Bronwyn. Yeah, so we have on Monday mornings, we have basically like a like a, a bring and share, a potluck for ideas. So we actually used to have a newsletter that we called Trend Snacks. We've since grown up and now we call it Trend Insights to appeal to a corporate audience. But the point is that every Monday, we basically bring and share tasty ideas to share with our small little team. And that was definitely on the table talking about like the whole, every, anything to do with creativity is something we're always looking at. And anything that can inspire thought in a different way. And what I shared about it is how 
well prepared this particular piece of content was because that's another sort of challenge that I've been trying to with my team about how you can you don't have to improvise all the time I know I know we all smart people and we can all sort of just wing it which we're quite famous for in our sort of industry but I did appreciate how much forethought had went into your work and I thought it was a very good example of someone that has chosen every word to be delicious and to roll off the tongue I mean, you basically wrote essays there. It wasn't just, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, you could tell every word would be chosen. And it was a great example to show that polishing can, can end up with much better content as, as opposed to the perhaps more reactive stuff we've been putting out. There's more of an indictment on my team, but that's, that's how I share it. Indictments are good. I like that. That's yeah, yeah. very, very Trump. It's on a Monday. It's like, it's what you're there for, right? <laughs> very Donald Trumpian. Very. <laughs> Very Donald Trumpian with indictments. That uh, I, I feel I'm, I've, uh, I have a kindred spirit. <laughs> so I was going to turn it over to the panel. Uh, I know that you guys have a sort of question, so I was going to ask for a question each if you have one. Um, so starting from left to right on my screen, Bronwyn, would you be okay to volunteer a question for Andy if you had one for the series? Yeah, I'm going to start with the probably the most basic question of all. It's like, why did you decide to do this? What was what was the one thing you wanted? Because you covered a lot of ground in like what is it, nine ten episodes? Like what what why did you decide to commit your obviously extensive energy that has taken you on various different projects across various different industries? Why were you passionate enough to apply your considerable energy to this to this cause? Okay, thank you. I will. Uh, well, it's it's quite easy. I've been asked to do podcasts before, and people say, "Well, you should do it," and but I never wanted to, to do it because I, I I find the the format boring. Um, it's not always. Sometimes there are people will, will there's podcasts where people do you know they'll, they'll tell stories and they'll it's well researched you know and, and they've been made into Netflix specials and all. But by and large, particularly the business ones, they're interviews, and I found them dull. I found them dull. And every time I did one and I listened to it, and I'm saying, who in their right mind would listen to this? Who in their right mind would would listen to this? You know, for an hour of just two people rambling. And yes, sometimes, but but you know, I'd say you have to plowed through so much crap to get the nugget of 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 of, of intelligence the nugget of insight i i hate i so even when i was on i said this is ridiculous because i don't want to if i don't want to listen to myself who's going to listen to me so when ian came to me ian montgomery came to me and he said we want to do a podcast and uh for label sessions and you know it based on the course that i was teaching you know and now going to its third year I said okay, but it ha but here's the here are the ground rules. I'll do it only if there are no interviews. I'll do it if we could have sound effects and music and have fun with it. Um, because I you know, I wrote a book and, and and I made sure that I was in the book one time. Whenever I wrote books, I I made sure that there has to be visuals and, and typeface has to be explosive and color and all of my books were unfortunately not in color, but there was stuff in it because when people are flipping through it at the bookstore, they always want to see reams of type they wanted to see the in my mind they say oh wow this is kind of cool maybe a, you know we'll lead them in sort of like you're fishing so that was to me those those lures that would hook you were the sound effects and the music and and the fact i said uh, i got to keep them short keep them short because you know i don't want people to have to listen to this you know it's an hour podcast let me try making go in 15 minutes and so i'll listen with 4x timing yeah, it, it, because you lose it. I, you, I, as you said, I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. We worked really hard to get every word, to get the you know, iterations, to get the modulations of voice, just because that's what I thought would be entertaining. So that's why I did it. I did it because it was a challenge, and, and I don't want to back away from the challenge, but it was a challenge to say, 
I have to not sit the format. I have to create, I don't want to say a new format because I'm sure there's a podcast out there that are 15 minutes and then have pops and dings and whistles and boings. But um, that's the only way I, I did this. And that's what made it. it made it worth it because I said, okay, let's take this to the next level. I've done the course for a couple of years already. Let's take this to the next level and see where, what could be done. So that's that's the answer to that. That's what what, what, what forced my hand. That makes you both both sad and slightly uh, and slightly guilty, but also quite um, you know validated at the same time. Because I do have one of those annoying podcasts is just interviews, right? But we turn it into a book now, and I absolutely insisted on working with the caricature artist who's quite well known in our part of the world to bring the characters to life. But that same reason that you said books with just plain reams of text can be very very boring. I do appreciate that. And again, I will say I really appreciated the way every word had been chosen. It's somewhere not quite prose, not quite poetry, especially if you read the transcript. There's nothing quite like that out there. It's a new art form you're creating there. Well, thank you. Wow. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> well, like spoken word podcast. It's not quite a rap, but it yeah, could yeah, yeah, you said that. it to me. You just need to see more sound effects. How much time yeah, you got? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you. That's fantastic. Well, uh, Rebecca, how about you? I have two questions. I'll ask one. Uh, which one is the most important? Creativity, curiosity, or guts? And why? Oh, my God. That's like saying, which of your children do you like best? Um, they work in They work, I don't want to say in tandem, because there's all, I'll say they work in conjunction with each other. And if you're curious and do nothing with it, then it's lost. If you're creative, and I always, yeah, I have this debate with artists where I, I say, to me, art becomes art when it comes out of the basement and it's a relationship between the the the, the viewer and the the work of art. Um, artists have said no, it's not the point. You, the art happens in the you know in the studio um, where where I or we create it. And I always said no, you know that could be, but um, you know I, I think that's more. And again, this is not said to be nasty. It's just I think that's more self play. It's more masturbation than it is performers or art because of the fact it's it's a solo uh, effort so creativity without you know with, without uh, an audience well somebody to bring it to is is you know is, is lost and guts well you know you have to nobody likes a bore that maybe people do like bores. i don't like bores people you know where people are are gutsy with nothing behind it where, where you're they're, they're they're just loud and loud does not equal guts loud is loud there's a very big difference between loud and and guts so I think they have to work together. So it's really uh, what's important is that they do work together. And it doesn't have to be equal. It doesn't have to be 33, the third, 33, the third, 33, the third. But they do have to work in conjunction with each other for proper, uh, I guess, outcome. So no, nothing's more important. It's just, uh, you know, they, they would be um, uh, impotent without each other, I guess is the best way to put it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, well, you know, that 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 those are toys I've I play with perhaps a little bit too often. But anyway, so what was the second question? You can ask the second question; it doesn't matter. They're free. It was just what was your favorite? What was your favorite episode, and why? What was the one that you enjoyed the most? I enjoyed all of them. The they were there were a couple that we can laugh at now, but oh my god, there were certain ones that were hard to get through. We had to change words in the middle because there were certain words that would throw me off. I said, I can't believe it. I can't get that goddamn word. And and sometimes they were the simple, very simple words. You know, they were not some of the more heady, multi-syllabic multi words. Uh, he says multi-syllabically. But anyway, I, I really, I liked, I, I really liked the love episode. That was one of my, my favorites because of the fact that uh, it sort of exuded love. I really liked the one about um, 
uh, uh, Nyopni, which is a, a, a very t- tough word, the childlike element. I found that resonated. Um, I, I also thought about spirit animals. I thought that was kind of fun because I got to mention my granddaughter, and it's, that was kind of fun uh, too. Very relatable but, topic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, th- th- those were th- those were my faith. But in the end, I you know I, I like them all. I listen to to them all, and uh, but those are the ones that really pop in my mind. Thank you. Cool, Amazing. thank you. Anna, I I just really ha- I so enjoyed it, and it kind of left me inspired. So thank you. And my frustration always, and the reason for inspo always is, you know, trying to get other folks who perhaps don't see this vision or don't see the world quite the same way to act with some kind of urgency. So I often feel like there are people that can kind of see around corners and see the future. And they're the, you know, I say to sometimes people, I feel like the crazy lady yelling at the train going down the tracks, like it's going, it's going. And everyone's like, it's fine. It's fine. So do you have, and you've had like a storied career. So you must have some wisdom on how to create some of that urgency so that we can bottle some of the magic of the genie and actually do the things as opposed to talking about the things. I guess the best the uh, urgency um, prompter, one could say, is knowing that you're not alone. What I mean by you're not alone is, you know, I would say this all the time at, at Just for Laughs, and we, we just say it at Airborne too, but we, we call it the two kids in the basement theory. And the two kids in the basement theory are, while you are preparing and doing this, setting this up and getting ready, there are two kids in the basement with a plan that will destroy your business. Not that they, they're... they're you know, uh, mean or that they, they, they have the intention to do it. It's just that they're going to come up with something that is going to destroy your business. So before they do it, you know, get out there. And, and this has happened so often. And there were so many examples. And one I, I, I didn't use in the podcast because we just were overabundant with examples at the time where it would, uh, was um, Michael Eisner and Tops. And uh, I don't think Bronwyn and Rebecca, this, this may be like culturally off- Kilter, but I'll explain it anyway. Tops were the licensees um, of uh, baseball cards. They do a hockey card, like you know, collecting cards. And uh, actually, I have a couple here on my shelves. But um, okay, so so Tops have for years and years and years were, the, you know, when they used to open it up with bubble gum in, inside, they were the ones, the purveyors and, and, and the, the maestros and the the top slate of baseball cards. I mean, you know, tops were the gold standard. And Michael Eisner bought tops and he said, oh, this is great. We, we you know, we're, we're going to do this. Here's the plans with the company and we're going to do this. We're going to go digital. And, you know, and then what happens is before, we, as he makes this announcement, we're going to go public. Hello, person in Rebecca's background. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do this. So it can be edited really nicely. So Michael Eisner bought tops with all the great intentions in the world. And while he's doing it, and he announces it. And he bought it. And this is what we're going to do. Um, fa- uh, what's the name of that? that? That Fanatics is a company that does um, merchandising and and uh, sport betting now in the states. But they have all the contracts to do T-shirts and, and all the sport merchandise. They go in and they make a secret deal with Tops. Um, uh, with a secret deal with Major League Baseball that they will get the rights for baseball cards. They've never done baseball cards, but they put in so much money. They leverage all their other um, relationships for apparel and everything else that they just swooped the license away from Tops. So Eisner bought this company that had its major license just taken you know, the rug pulled right under his feet. So that go that's the urgency element. 
you, because there's somebody out there, unbeknownst to you, uh, maybe uh, again, not being nasty or negative in, in their their intention. Perhaps with, with fanatics, it's a little bit different. But there's somebody out there you, you don't know what they're doing. So if that doesn't force you to get things done and to get things done faster, I don't know what will. Because you're nobody in the world, no one gives a rat's ass about your plans and about your timing. Oh, it, it will be released on Friday because nothing's going to happen on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. And suddenly Wednesday comes like, oh, God, somebody released something that kills my Friday announcement. Hurry, 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 because somebody out there has the tools to kill you. And again, not in a malicious way, but just that's the nature of the beast. So that if that doesn't make you get off and do things faster, I don't know what will. I love it. Thank you. I, I, you, you can tell that this is this, uh, you know, experience with somebody who's been burned before, but anyway. That's <laughs> well, I think that's a, that's a, you're touching on something that's really important for the creative industry, for anyone that considers themselves a creative. I certainly in the sort of future of work features discourse that I'm involved with and a lot of the sort of the consulting that we do, see a lot of people really scared about copyright law and the future, right? And like what's happening with digital replicability of content and like that ship has sailed like the whole web 2 era was about essentially information wanting to be free and now we're trying to sort of put borders back in place but that cart's already mostly bolted the conversation's really got to shift to instead of focusing and worrying about your copyrights and holding on to your past you have to be more concerned about creating because that's where all new value is going to come from in a world that is more digitized anything that can be digitized can be replicated. And if it can be replicated, it can be done by someone else, by another competitor. And the only way to stay ahead of that curve, the only way to stay ahead of the API curve or the AI curve, or whatever curve you're looking at, is to keep on creating and shipping. You've got to look forward. You can't look back. And then creativity becomes that killer app because the only thing that has value is something that's not already in the system that can't be mirrored and distorted through the funhouse mirrors that are technology. That all the future is in new things, new ideas new creativity, which should be so empowering actually for the creative class, because the managerial class is the one that therefore, that they're they the ones standing with like, you know, no pants on as the tide goes out when you really start to think about it. But I don't know, all these conversations that sound like they're quite negative, when you start to unpack them, you actually see the opportunity and the opportunity is to keep moving, keep shopping, keep working, keep creating. Could not agree, could not agree more. And, and you know what, that's why, Bronwyn, that, that's why, you know, people say, well, why'd you stop at 13 episodes? A, because that's all the information I had. I mean, it's based on, on, on the class. And B, you know, something I learned about with British television many years ago, um, and I remember with the tw in the United States, a series was like 23 episodes long. And, you know, uh, and Anna remembers that back in the, the days when people watched real, t uh, real uh, terrestrial television, uh, they were long and they were, you know, a series. Uh, uh, they didn't even talk about series. It was just, it, it ran the first year, they ran the second year, the eighth year, the tenth year. And I remember when I went to Great Britain, the series was like six episodes and it was over. And sometimes they, you know, they did it again. Like I remember back in the day of Blackadder, uh, Rowan Atkinson, and they did a series and the next series was a completely different. It's the same character, but it was a completely different. It was, it was not, okay, let's just keep going on. And you know how to end well, right? I mean, like you have to, when to, you know, you have to know when to end well, when to move yes, on. Yeah, you have to know when to end well and, and, and start, again, start again with something. Speaking of ending well, 
ending well. <laughs> We're just about up for time. So I just had one last question to ask you, Andy. Have you spoken to any of the students who went through the course originally? And what do you think they've kept in mind from the course? And do you think it'll have a similar impact to the podcast listeners as well? One of my students just got a job at a major a consultancy in Toronto. And he po posted it on LinkedIn and everyone was saying, wow, congratulations. The guy's name is Shariar. Hopefully he's, he's listening to this. And uh, Shariar posted this and uh, I, I sent him, um, uh, I could look it up now, but I'm not going to because of time. But I sent him a congratulatory message and I said, have a great time. Uh, I said, um, remember, even though you're in a consultancy, don't be boring. And he goes, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of learned that. That's, uh, you know, th that's something I'm uh, going to be sure to bring to the table. So I guess that's the point. One of the points was it doesn't matter where you are. This can be applied anywhere. It just, you know, you have to push a bit. You have to, and maybe if you've got pushback, there's some secret channel you can do it. And if you can't do it in the office, find a way to do it in your personal life. But you know, you cannot let the bastards get you down. And I think that's one of the things that, 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 that they learned. So he, he realized, he says, okay, I won't be boring. I will not be boring, despite the fact I'm in some conglomerate consultancy. Amazing, amazing. Well, um, that's so, a great spot to wrap up there. Uh, so um, thank you so much, guys, for all your time. If you just want to say... Oh, my God. It's, it's the end of an era. It's the end of an era. This is, this is the bonus episode. Wow. I think, Andy, what can I say? Thank you for your service. <laughs> I love it. Don't let the bastards get you down and making new humans not boring one person at a time. So hopefully uh, we've inspired a few to uh, not toe the line and color inside the lines. Hey, guys, I thank you because uh, these are not, uh, you know, the days are, 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 you know, these are not easy days. And the fact that the hearing that, you know, three people from all over the world are actually, have actually listened to this. It, I mean, I'm beside myself. You've made my month. You've made my August. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast, for live sessions of advice, mentorship, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team.